possibly bleak as this. All right, we're back again with two episodes within the last week. It's new territory for us. Uh, joined today, uh, recurring guests now, Patrick Cleary. Patrick, how are you doing today? I am buzzing. I Once again, it's the stuff of dreams for me to be here with such such emissaries, <laughs> such gentlemen of extraordinary quality uh, in, in every sense of the word. Thank you once again oh, for the wonderful. honor. You're too, oh, you're too kind. Happy to have you. Uh, also joined, first time in quite some time, uh, Nick Skrasky. Nick, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I had to take a little sabbatical to kind of get reacquainted with uh, college life. But other than that, buzzing after the weekend, excited for the episode. Awesome. Yeah, well, we'll just jump right into it. Uh, the nil-nil preview that Patrick gave us didn't come quite to light from Liverpool-Man United. Game-ending Liverpool 5-Man United nil. Uh, Patrick, I'm just going to toss it to you right away. I mean, what do you have to say after that performance? Oh, my gosh. What can you say that hasn't been said? I, at one point, like, genuinely did think I was dreaming. It was so strange. Uh, I did think it was going to be a nil-nil. This game in recent years has been has been one where Man United line up really conservatively and uh, Liverpool struggled to, to break them down. But um, I guess Solskjaer... Decide, like decided to start reading all the criticisms of him that have been you know published recently and was like I'm gonna line up like you know play play full you know gig and press against the gig and press and see what happens and well we saw what happened it was it was amazing I loved it um yeah. I, I I thought when I was watching it that it reminds me a little bit of when these teams will play their, you know, summer preseason tours and they'll like come to, you know, Chicago or uh, Melbourne or, or Hong Kong and they'll play against like a local team. And uh, that's kind of what it seemed like. I mean, you know, like Man United, they did seem to have their heart in it for a while and, and they, they obviously cared because they kept on trying to injure Liverpool players. But um they just were so there's such a huge gulf in class between the two sides uh i i saw people comparing it to the brazil 7-1 germany game um i think tactically that makes sense like man united came with no plan just charging forward basically playing right into liverpool's hands and leaving leaving it totally open at the back uh that makes something of a point but you know brazil uh somehow had it more together than Germany did. Like, Germany had to play well in that game. Liverpool, I think, I don't think, I think we were better against Watford the week before. Uh, I talked about on last week's show how it was, I, I talked about the Liverpool Atletico game as being the cliche of breathless. And this was like a, the opposite of that, you know? It was like a weird, sleepy Sunday morning game. It was like a breath, I don't know, breathful. It's not really a word, but it's like, <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, so it was really strange, but somehow still like Solskjaer is not going to be fired, uh, which makes, makes me really happy. Um, yeah. And nor do I think he should be. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. G- give me some direction. Keep, keep I, I can talk about this from a million different angles. To, g- g- give, give me some direction here. I got, Oh well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I do a 10 hour, we, I mean, 10 hour show it. on this one. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, we saw on Wednesday when they came back from 2-0, uh, United anyway, from 2-0 down to beat Atalanta in the Champions League, and you have Paul Scholes saying, like, how, like, delighted for United to win, but they play like that against a team that's, like, quality and don't have the holes in the back that Atalanta did in that game. They're going to get ripped to shreds. And you saw in Keita scored within, what, six, six, seven yeah, minutes? Yeah, fifth minute. And just from there, the floodgates opened. And you saw all the holes in United's defense. I mean, yes, they didn't have Varane, but you can't blame an entire afternoon on just missing one player. Like, your defense should not revolve around one player. They did have the most expensive center back in the history of the Premier League. Did anybody see him <laughs> yeah, out there? that's true. <laughs> You know, what's, fu- what's really funny about that is uh, Paul Scholes was making some comments about how Chelsea had paid for their entire back line and paid for their trophies. And uh, our entire back line does not even come close to Harry Maguire's actual price tag. So I'd just like to give Paul Scholes a little reminder of how great that United defense is. Well, I'm sure when he hears this conversation, I'm sure when he hears what you have to say, he'll be hiding hey, underneath his He's going to take that to life. heart, I know. Yeah. Give yeah. me on BT Sport. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, so from a United perspective, Sam wasn't able to join us tonight. Wanted, just wanted me to make mention that he thinks that it's, quote, embarrassing that Fergie showed up to training. Uh, the club is in a miserable state, and all of the admin needs to be replaced by people with some resemblance of competency. And that's pretty damning from <laughs> someone. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't have obviously no like weight on the club, but like to see like a like lifelong United fan to be so critical of the situation in the last like to have it just totally flip on his head in like twenty four hours with because he went from. I mean, Sam has been kind of always at the wheel for a little bit. But this season, I mean, against Atalanta, he said Ole out like six times after they had gone 2-0 down. And then I don't even think he texted us during that game. He's so ashamed of United. You know, I think the the whole um, attitude and sort of mood of the United supporters right now is really fascinating. Uh, not six months ago, they were literally breaking into the stadium Um you know, totally militant in their, in their, and how much they, they hated the ownership. They wanted them out. They, they want a new stadium. They had all these complaints. Uh, and, um, you know, now like you see them all leaving the stadium, you know, like breaking out of there before some of them before halftime, even, uh, it's like it i think it's reflective like a really kind of incoherent set of you know ob- objections to like the whole setup around or around the club uh but it's gonna be really interesting to see where it goes from here i hope that they keep all in just because yeah. they raise the stakes a little bit more yeah yeah i mean uh kind of going off of that like in this press conference after ole is talking about how like the fans, like, stayed till the very end. They were singing until the very end, even when we're down 5-0. It's like, didn't you look around the stadium and see how many empty seats there were, like, in the Stratford end? Like, how many people had swarmed out of that stadium? Uh, like, as Patrick said, like, before halftime. Um, Nick, do you have anything kind of that? How, where do you stand on the, the Ole in, Ole out situation? 
I mean, honestly, I think he needs to go. It's It honestly is a little similar to the whole Frank Lampard-Chelsea deal, in my opinion, except, I mean, Ole's done maybe a bit more than Frank in terms of... Uh, I can't even say that. I he's don't had, know. He's, I just had, think, he's had more time, though, too. I mean, yeah, Ole's been in charge since we were, what, since... This is his third year, I think. I think you're right, hundred percent. Going into like his, because he was hired in like January or February of 2019, yeah. I think. So it's not. And like, so he has all this time, and he still just can't do anything with it. His management tactics aren't there. He's lost the locker room. None of those guys want to play for him like that anymore. You know, they get another loss in the next game or two here, and it's going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, I mean, Nick, we were talking about this last week, how, like, the Chelsea model of they got rid of Lampard and they brought in Tuchel, and six months later they had won the Champions League. And, like, how like Tuchel mm-hmm. had just watched, like, one of Chelsea's games and realized, like, none of the front men were pressing and fixed it in one training session. So, it's, know, like, it's... how do you not, like, get in, like, how do you not look at a club like that where you're, like, we are at the same level as them. Like, we have the players, like, similar to what they do. Like, we are, like, set up the same way. Except the mm-hmm. problem the you know, problem people is... People call us ruthless for... The problem is that Man United have Ronaldo. Like, where Chelsea had Werner, Man United have Ronaldo, who I don't care who you bring in. Like, they're he's not going to be able to make Ronaldo, you know, press and defend like, like, like Werner does. I mean, it, that's not him, you know? And yeah, so I think that basically they kind of like I like I was saying last week, Man United have all these different you know pieces to different puzzles. It doesn't fit together, so Solskjaer has kind of an impossible task. And like to say nothing of the fact that he's unqualified to you know take it up, it's like unfair to give someone a challenge of of that scale when they don't have any kind of experience at a you know huge institution like Man United. But um, you can't. Yeah, like you can't turn Ronaldo into someone else, and you also can't bench him because he's the highest paid player on the team, and you know people will be going for your throat if you do. I mean, think about how much criticism Zlatan took just for just for subbing him off uh, in a in a game against like young boys or something. So uh, I don't know. It's it is a delightfully impossible task for Man United, and I just can't <laughs> I mean, wait I'd to see where Ole it goes. I mean, I would love for him to stay. At United for the next century, just to see how low we can possibly go. <laughs> He's at the wheel. Um, but I guess from like a from a United standpoint, like you know that a guy like Antonio Conte, who's like said he's interested in the job and is in, like available in the market, like how are you not like just totally against Ole now? But who knows? Maybe after this weekend, Spurs will force United's hand. Maybe so. in 20 years we'll be talking about, you know, Spurs' manager, Lucas Moura, and his uh, <laughs> how he's just not up for it. I hope so. If Now, if Lucas ever became manager of Tottenham, I don't think he'd ever be fired. He's See, nice. that's the problem. That's it. Like, it's the exact same thing. It's like it's like how you would feel if he were the manager of Spurs. You'd be like, well, you know, let's just see what he does. Yeah, he's such a nice Even guy. He's having, looks like he's seasons. having a great yeah. time. Yeah, when really it's unfair to him. If you think he's so nice, you shouldn't be letting him, you know, be the scapegoat for this this horrible project gone awry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, well, I guess probably should move on to some of the other games that took place this weekend. Uh, most importantly, Chelsea 7, Norwich 0. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not... 
surprised that Chelsea scored seven. I'm not surprised that they hammered Norwich. But Nick, what's your what's your take on your unbiased take on the game? Well, in the words of Sam Laughlin, we got a Big Ten football game final score right there with the seven zero. But uh, I mean, in my unbiased opinion, obviously Norwich are in the bottom of the table, and we're at the top. So you've got the best team versus the worst team. And I'm not surprised we went out there and hammered them. I mean, Norwich defended pretty poorly. We had the ball in their half the entire game. And the boys came to play. Like, I know a lot of people were really skeptical, especially after Lukaku and Werner both got injured against Malmo, like of all teams, too. Worried we might not have the firepower. Came out and proved everyone wrong. I, I mean... We're still the most proved, dangerous proved, team in the league. Proved everybody wrong is a bit of a bit hey, of an I'm just saying, I think, As you I'm just, just said, saying. you were playing the worst team in the league. Yeah, but I think that it still shows that we have firepower and we have goal. You know, Chelsea is the team in the Premier League with the like most uh, different amount of goal scorers on their team. Yeah, don't they have like, we have like 17 now? Yeah, 17 goal scorers. Is that Seriously. just in the prime, or is that across? I mean, I guess either way, it's impressive. But I wonder. Either way, I think I don't recall if that's just in the Premier League or not. Well, it seemed like the whole the whole of Chelsea's defense scored against Spurs about a month ago, so wouldn't be surprised <laughs> for right there. Um, yeah, seriously. Patrick, anything to anything to add to this game? I did not watch Chelsea seven Norwich nil. I don't know why anyone would. No, I don't know. I mean, right, uh, Norwich, it, I feel I feel bad for them. I did not think they were going to go down at the start of the season. Uh, I didn't think that at the start of the last time they were in the Premier League. They have a few pretty good players. They have a uh, manager who seems to know what he's doing when you read interviews with him or see him speak. But they are just way below where they need to be, and I think there's a good chance they end up being one of the lowest uh, lowest. Uh, scoring teams uh, ever in the history of the league, um, which is yeah, kind of sad. They've only got you know poor old Norwich pedestrianization of the city center, and you know uh, it's it's just that. But I mean, yeah, they only have two points from nine or yeah, nine games, and I think they've only scored I think it's like two or three league goals this season, so. Not great, <laughs> Norwich front. Um, but moving on, uh, Tottenham nil, West Ham one. Just how I expected it to be. Just sloppy defending and a game where we, where Spurs controlled the game from the start till about the seventy fifth minute when Antonio beat a lackluster Harry Kane to the near post and tapped in probably the easiest goal of his life. Um, I, I I don't know. I've never really been convinced of Nuno. Um, I don't think he'll get I don't think he'll get sacked this season, unless results really start to turn. Um, but I do. I was reading up on his contract, and there's a clause in it where if we don't finish top four, they can really they can relieve him of his duties at no cost. So it seems it's probably going to be a one season wonder for Nuno. I think um, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, I mean, he never really seemed like the... I mean, he was eighth choice for the job, so I guess it's not really surprising yeah, that seriously. a manager who came in end of June isn't performing too well, but I don't know who we would bring in. So, 
for the time but being. But like, what? What do they expect from him? I mean, seriously, I don't know. That, see, that's what I don't understand. I like if we had gotten rid of Harry Kane in the summer and used that money and revitalized the team like we should have, then maybe I mean, like, you could reasonably say like should comfortably finish at least top six. Well, they're in sixth place right now. I mean, they're about the sixth best team in the league, you would say, based on the record of the past two years. Uh, and so I don't know, like, what the complaints are about. It's better than they were doing with Mourinho. I mean, last year they started really strong with Mourinho. Oh, yeah, like, Mourinho, yeah. This is, this is where they're supposed to be. They're supposed to – Spurs are, this, are sixth. You're I mean, right. Like, they should have I mean, yeah. sold Kane and, like, got, <clears throat> gotten some new players, but they didn't. So I don't know. What are they going to do? They're going to fire Nuno and bring in who? Antonio Conte? No. He already said Ryan, no. Ryan they already Mason. went they already had to find seven guys to say no. Like they're on their eighth choice. What is going to be better about the ninth choice? I think I think yeah, you just got to I, mean, I agree. I mean I agree. I don't think I mean over the last like two season, two three seasons, I didn't think we had a chance at getting top 4 with just like the quality of teams above us. So like fifth or sixth place finish like I don't think that should cost Nuno his job. But if we don't qualify for any, like, European competition, like, even the fucking conference league, um, then, like, I guess you kind of have to let him go. What if, what if you I mean, win like, the league we cup? We should be playing... <laughs> ah, keep him on, then. <laughs> Why not? I have a proper go at it next year. Next the year. magic of character. Um, yeah, well, I guess as good as transition as any. I guess... Brief capture of the table. You got Chelsea sitting top, as Scrad so kindly reminded all of us. Liverpool a point behind them. United in seventh, and Spurs in sixth. So interesting weekend coming up. Where I think it, like Spurs win and West Ham and Brighton both lose, we can move into like third, I think, or something on the table. Uh, Who would have thought? Or fourth on the table. Cause, uh, yeah, fourth. But yeah, who knows? Could be an interesting weekend. <laughs> um, but yeah, we will move into the magic of the Carabao Cup. Uh, first game on hand, Chelsea nil, Southampton nil. Chelsea progressing 4-3 on penalties. Um, Kepa Ariza Balaga is the penalty-saving GOAT, dude. That man he, yeah, he is, has, he has an the impeccable most... record in cup games saving penalties. He saved like eight, I think, now for Chelsea in like penalty shootouts or something like that. Comes up in the biggest But imagine how yes. well Caballero would have done. He is so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Well, well yeah, I mean, I mean, nil-nil. I thought the boys so. played all right. I mean, well, I was just going to say, like, I thought they played all right, but obviously we're not starting our strongest 11 there for a game like that. The guys that were there, I think, did their jobs well enough. And, yeah, we kept them in a little too long, but – um. I don't know. We did what we needed to do, which I think top is what something top teams do, you know. Yeah. Uh, before I guess we go any further, I'm not sure why I said nil nil. This game was one one. Not that. Oh yeah, that well, was. Not it? that it Havertz matters too and, much. Uh, yeah, Havertz and Che Adams, I think, scored for uh, something. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, moving on to a game that was actually nil nil. Uh, Full time West Ham nil. Sit Manchester City nil. West Ham progressing five three on penalties. Uh, City out of the competition for the first time since 2017. Patrick, your thoughts? Um, I think that you need to... This is great. I'm really glad. Uh, I think that this is basically 
like an adrenaline shot into the almost dead body of the Carabao Cup. Like it, it, yeah. it totally destroys the credibility of your competition, your quote unquote competition. If the same team wins five years in a row, I mean, what is the point of it at that point? Yeah, it, this is basically this tournament now exists as a measure of which team has the best squad, like which team is the best bench. It's it's like the Premier League bench, you know, tournament, and that's that's not really fun. It makes most of these games like kind of stupid and pointless. Um, so I'm really glad that they went out of it, and I am extra glad that Phil Foden missed the decisive penalty because I really don't like yeah. it. I can't put it into words why. I just don't. Um, yeah, but I think my opinion for how to fix the Carabao Cup is if your team qualifies for any European competition, then you are not allowed to play in the Carabao Cup. So no one, yeah, no one above Arsenal should be allowed to play in it this year. <laughs> and I think that I think that'd be great. Um, yeah, I mean that is definitely an interesting take on it. I mean, because they, you hear players and coaches say about like the intensity of the schedule throughout the year, and how this like I mean, this tournament like. As you said, it's really nothing, nothing trophy. Uh, would love to win it though, but uh, it, You'd I love mean, to would win be interesting. Any trophy, wouldn't you? It, yeah, I'll take <laughs> Papa John's trophy at this point. Uh, <laughs> I mean, like it would be interesting to see though, like kind of like the middle of the table, just kind of crack it out over like the six or seven games that you could play. I think in total. Um, yeah, I don't think I, it's like one of those things where it feels like it doesn't need to be around, but it's going to stay around just because of like TV revenue and everything. All yep. those advertising uh, rights and everything. Yeah, um, Patrick. Then uh, Liverpool two, Preston nil. It was a great goal by Origi. Did any either of you? Yeah, see it was it? fantastic. I did it not. was totally. It's a, yeah, uh, <laughs> basically the ball. Uh, Nico Williams had dribble past a player, took a shot. And it was blocked, and it was just up in the air, like behind Origi. And he reached out backwards with the back of his foot, and kind of did a yeah. Uh, what would you call it's that? Like a half a, yeah, half scorpion. scorpion. <laughs> uh, what is that? A hermit crab, it's like maybe. With studs. <laughs> Some kind of a lobster. <laughs> and it was yeah, his best impression yeah, of a hermit crab. But he crab. just did it so nonchalantly, and didn't re- really even celebrate afterwards. And that was the best part about it. That's what you got to love about Origi. Yeah, Kind, he looks kind of totally disinterested. <laughs> you forget about him a lot of the time, but you know what? He always comes through with the big goals yeah. against the the giants of English football, like Preston North End. I have to say one other point about the Carabao <laughs> Cup: Preston North End tonight we're playing as your starting center back, a Liverpool loney, Kijana Hoover, um, who is it looks like he's like fourteen, um, but. That is, I think, the clearest demonstration that this tournament does not matter. Is if can you imagine if, like, you know, in the Champions League final last year, uh, Chelsea had loaned Jorginho to Man City and then they let him play? Like that, you would never allow that. That if it matters to you at all, you would, you know, have this huge problem with this player having split loyalties. And he wouldn't be. Isn't there? It's insane. There's a rule, but there's like you can't. Clubs can give permission for their players to play against them. So I didn't even know I this was possible. I thought in the FA Cup, like regardless, I thought like yeah, but you can because you, you always hear about players being like cup yeah, yeah, yeah. But you uh, you can like 
waive it if you think that it's not going to change the balance of the game. But he's your starting center back. So if you really want to win the game, you would take out their starting center back. But they don't really want to win the game. They could not care less. So it's like, what what yeah. are we doing here? This is just, uh, this is kind of, I don't know. They should just, like I said, make it more interesting. Maybe maybe include teams from Scotland. Like if it were like, you know, Celtic against Preston North End, that would be cool. Uh, instead yeah. of including the teams from England that effectively, or the, the teams from the Champions League that effectively, you know, have like three starting 11s better than, than a team in the championship like Preston. So that'd be great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then we got Spurs one, Burnley nil. Absolutely nothing to this game. One of the most boring games I think I've ever watched, which is just a perfect encapsulation of what playing Burnley on playing Burnley at Burnley means. Um, his Spurs are second best to every ball in the air. And ironically, Lucas Mora is the one who headed in the the decisive winner in the 65th minute, I think it was. Um, so, like, well done to Spurs. Uh, the one one game I did want to talk about, Sunderland nil, QPR nil. Sunderland moving on on penalties. Sunderland now the lowest division team left in the tournament. And I don't know why this seems so interesting to me. But just, like, the struggles that Sunderland have had for, like, the last five years, like, I don't know what it is. I mean, they're going to lose in the quarterfinal, but it just seems so cool to me that, like, this Sunderland team have made, by, like, for, like, no reason at all, have now made it to the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Like, <laughs> like this is, is why I, like, keep it. the Carabao Cup around just so Sunderland can make the quarterfinals and then lose. Like, just show that they're moving somewhere. But wouldn't it be great if I don't know if it wouldn't either. it be great if Sunderland won more trophies in Newcastle this year? That'd be, That'd be fantastic. Funny. <laughs> and I mean, I guess I'm not too familiar on how like the playoff structure works for League One. I don't know if it's the same as like for the Championship. But Sunderland are in like fifth in League One or something. No, it's insane. This they have way idea. more money than the rest of League One. It's insane that they haven't been promoted. They're genuinely cursed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is their. So they, what, went down, they got relegated in, what, 16-17? And then spent a season in the championship and then got relegated right away. So this is, what, their third year running of being in League One? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think this is year three. That's it's insane. insane. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I guess some other news to touch on. Uh, Bayern Munich lost 5-0 to Mönchengladbach with a full-strength Bayern team in the the DFK, uh, I don't even remember how to pronounce the competition. DFK um, Pokal, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't. I mean, I didn't watch this game. I don't really. I saw a couple highlights of the Gladbach goals that looked uh, really good, but it kind of shows that Bayern aren't or Bayern are vulnerable at some points in the game because I mean, it looked like all five of these goals came from absolutely nothing. So it's not like they were just like constantly count, caught on the counter attack. Like it just seemed like. Like, Upamecano misplayed a ball or something, and it just set the Gladbach striker free within 10 yards. Honestly, I feel like every year there's one game where Bayern kind of gets some sense knocked back into them, and then they come and don't lose another game like the rest of the season. Like, I feel yeah. like I feel like this is just one tiny setback, and they're just going to take that right in stride. That team is so complete. Yeah. I, I would be it, scared of them for the Champions League this year. 
Yeah, I mean, they'll probably go on to win like 10 nil this weekend or something, and nobody will remember this 5 0 <laughs> loss. But, yeah. Um, I kind of think that Yuli and Nagelsmann teams have, have a real soft underbelly. I think that he is known as this great attacking coach, but there's there's like a defensive vulnerability there. And um, I I think probably other teams will end up exploding it this year too. So, uh, you know, I I don't I don't really back them to to be the Champions League Titans they were under under Hansi Flick. Yeah, um, they definitely they definitely seem more defensively compact under Hansi Flick than they do under Nagelsmann. But at the same time, Nagelsmann's been in charge for three months, so. I guess we'll see where it goes. But uh, Barcelona lose to Rayo Vallecano today, and Ronald Koeman promptly sacks within 30 minutes of this game ending. Um, this whole situation is hilarious to me, mainly because the Barcelona president comes out like three weeks ago and just re like restates how he knows that like they obviously losing Messi was a just a knife in the back, and he knows that this is going to be a project and it's going to take some time. And Kuman has the full backing of the board, and then three weeks later, out you go with what looks like Chavi coming in to go at the wheel. Chavi's at the <laughs> wheel for Barcelona. <laughs> uh, but we do have some listener questions on this. Um, uh, Patrick, I'll toss the first one to you. Um, from our uh, good friend Christian Shad, he says, "How great will Chavi be at Barcelona? A lot of success at Al Sadd. Main concern can be." Or can can he bench his friends if or when it's necessary? Um, one thing to say right away about this, though, bench his friend. There's like two players left in that Barcelona team that probably would have played with Xavi. I don't know how much of an impact that'll have. But Patrick, what do you think? Well, who could forget all his success with Al Saad? You know, I mean, <laughs> being glued to the uh, you know League One Qatar or whatever it's called for the past <laughs> League One. Yeah, Uber exactly. Eats. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it's not going to work. Sorry. Here's, that's like, Barcelona's problems are deeper than the manager. They're way deeper. It's like, just copy and paste what I said about Man United. The problem is from the top down, it's, you know, this, uh, thing of continuously bringing in, you know, band-aids to patch up bigger and bigger wounds. Uh, that has rotted out like the inside of the youth development system that made Barcelona the giants they were for the past 10 years. Um, now, maybe like Xavi's the next Pep Guardiola. The last Pep Guardiola, Pep Guardiola came from the same background, played on the same team, and you know, managed Xavi. But I don't know, didn't we say this about Arteta too? Like, I don't, I don't think it's gonna work. I think I. I think Barcelona have some good young players and, you know, maybe they'll build towards something, but the game has changed a little bit and I don't think this is the right direction for them to, to go in. As for benching his friends, it, I think it's PK and I don't Jordi and Jordi Alba. Alba. Um, and maybe Ter Stegen, but there's no, I don't think they're friends. I think they're enemies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Well, I so, think he can. I think that PK is the who will know when it's time to go. I don't think that. I don't. I mean, that's always been my impression of the guy. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I think that basically, like, you have to read this like a lot of the things in Barcelona as sort of um, 
ways that the board are trying to cover their ass politically because it's they're elected you know i mean it's not like man united where it's some guy in tampa who watches one game a year like these people do have to live in barcelona and walk around every day and you know get people spitting in their coffee and stuff so xavi <laughs> is obviously gonna be a popular choice and i think probably too popular a populist choice one that maybe doesn't doesn't uh think about the 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 bigger problems if you were serious about it you would have brought him in like as an assistant coach given him a chance to like kind of work with the younger players and and uh maybe gotten a better idea of his you know tactical nous than you would get from well that august competition all sod plays in yeah yeah well, so Barcelona currently sit ninth in La Liga. Do you think they have any hope in qualifying for the Champions League? Yeah, they will. Yeah. Is it, is it top four for La Liga as well, or is it just top three? I can never remember. Uh, it's top three. It's, it's top three. I thought it was top four right now. It changes year to year, but isn't um, uh, uh, Villarreal is in, is, in, is in the Champions League this year? Well, they won the Europa League. Yeah, but they just got. But I thought they changed it so that you can't say if you're the fourth place team, you would just get in. I don't know. You know what? I could be wrong, but I kind of think it is the top four. Okay, yeah, it's there we four, go. Top four Champions League, and then the fifth goes to. Uh, uh, yeah. The Europa League. Europa League. Yeah. Yeah, Great I think I think they'll get in. I'd, I'd be very mind. surprised. They still have a lot of good players. I mean, Spain yeah. were Spain's backbone were Barcelona players at, at the Euros, and they were. Running. I mean, they they were. I do want to the best team in it. So. I do want to point out, though. I mean, honestly, I kind of disagree, and maybe I'm the sentimental guy, but I think that Xavi is just like the other day won his like fifth or sixth trophy in that league already and i mean i know it's but i mean it's again it's the guitar league. league i i know but dude all right like being a fresh manager all right you're obviously you're doing well you're having success now it's not crazy merit for that success but you have to respect that i also think that like we're kind of seeing the same thing with barcelona now that we did you know um like patrick said with Pep, but I think it's that period where there's a lot of really, really young, young, talented players mixed with a couple guys who probably are a little too old but have some experience. Just get the young guy in, get Xavi, new to the job, bring him in, give him some time. Like, he's a club legend working with his, uh, like, guys that looked up playing to him. Let him build what he needs to build because, yeah, there's problems throughout the board and all that. But we they need some stability in their coaching staff for a while, I think. And yeah, but I mean, at the same time, though, Barcelona are riddled with financial issues. So, like, realistically, you're not going to be able to sign anybody massive long term for probably at least like I would probably guess three to five years, so that they can have some time to settle this down and kind of get their debt under control. So, like, if you I mean, if you look at it from Chavi's perspective, like you're having success where you are, you're not hated, and people aren't like actively calling for you to be sacked. So why do you leave? We come, go, maybe go back to Barcelona in five years' time if they've kind of sorted everything out. 
where they're they have like the financial stake that the Barcelona of five years ago had. Yeah, but wouldn't you want to go home? I mean, you know, I I, I think that I can understand taking that job, and you would back yourself. You know, you would think of yourself. I've been success. I've been the most successful player at the, you know, at 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 that level. I can be the most successful coach, and you know, having gained so much valuable experience in the league that I'm in here in Qatar, I, I am ready for ready for whatever challenges La Liga and the Champions League throw at me. Um, or the Europa Conference yeah, League. I, I guess it does help too that I think after I think in two weeks time there's another international break. So if Chavi does come in then he will have like a good three ish weeks to kind of work with some of the players that aren't on international duty and start to kind of get a solid foundation of how he wants to press or counter. Um, but I mean, at the same time, he also hasn't been offered the job, so he might not be Barcelona yeah. manager. Well, I was going to say, I will, I will say if Chavi doesn't get it, I saw there was some people saying that Roberto Martinez was being looked at. Um, oh, he would fail so bad. The Everton to Barcelona. Barcelona? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to disagree. I think he would do all right there. All right. I mean, I think you do. All I right. agree. I yeah, think he's an I underrated mean, manager. Historically, I think he's an underrated manager. He's he's he did better at Everton than anyone has since, uh, and then Moyes did for most of the seasons before, and well, he did he's well, done well at uh, Belgium. Belgium. Although Belgium, too. like, yeah. I could do well at Belgium. You know, they have a lot of good players. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I guess I'm not all too convinced by Roberto Martinez, but I guess I've only seen him like his his team in action yeah a couple times every two years so not much to go on there um caleb asks what is your favorite premier league shirt sponsor and why it's a great question uh patrick i will swing it to you first to get your okay so brentford have a uh sponsor called safety culture um and safety culture i am finding out live is a it's constantly seeking out new ways to take high performing teams to the next level i tell you that much uh-huh. uh as for what they yeah. do they're an auditing thing that's too bad it just made me think uh, of when we were kids your, your there used to be this thing we could go to in the summer called safety town and i don't even remember what the point of it was but you could try do you remember this patrick it was like no, at the rec center in Downers Grove, and you got to like, you got to like pretend like you were in this little town and drive around in little cars. It wasn't like real cars; it was like kind of you know kitty cars. And was there a fire department? Was it was it about like stop, drop, and roll? I don't know, but I'm asking. Damn. I'm talking about it. So safety, shout out safety culture. Yeah, Scrad, any thoughts on this one? Um. Wow. On. Um... Which uh, sponsor is my favorite or the safety culture? <laughs> the shirt sponsor. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. So this may be a hot take. I don't know. But personally. You can get with Emirates. I hate the teams, but I was going to say I think Emirates and Etihad Airways looks good because I've always been a fan of a, uh, like clean white lettering across Keep it simple since like the Samsung days at Chelsea. I think it just looks really clean on a jersey. Interesting. 
Yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to go with Kazoo from Aston Villa just because it's Kazoo is just one of those words that's so much fun to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't know anything about what they do. I hope that they're not an evil corporation. I think it's gambling. I think most of them are uh, gambling. Like, but yeah, not I feel even like everything England, on the shirt China. front. Let's look it up. Kazoo. They all either seem to be oh, it's like, a buying and selling cars online. Oh yes. Does that say Watford's like jersey sleeve is Dogecoin? Oh yeah. It's funny how many of them are like basically either gambling for like you know illegal gambling in like Thailand or just fi- total financial scam. Yeah, I saw. I ran into this guy. Um, at a bar I was at a few weeks ago, he's wearing a Watford jersey. And I went up to him and I was like, don't really see a lot of people wearing Watford jerseys. I'm like, that's pretty cool. And he was like, oh, I don't know who, like, what they are, what sport they play. I only got it because it had Dogecoin oh on the sleeve. And I was like, for fuck's sake. That's crazy. That's, you know, <laughs> yeah. don't, listeners, don't do that. This is, fi- yeah, first of all, this is financial advice. Don't do that. Uh,. <laughs> What, Save your yeah. hundred dollars. What's your What's your favorite shirt sponsor of all time? Um, that's a great question. Yeah, this is a good one. The only ones that come to mind are like the ones that have been for Tottenham, and they've all been kind of bad, except for that one year where we had HP on the front. Oh, brutal! Um, brutal. I'm gonna all right. I'm gonna go Coors on like the '90s Chelsea yeah. kits. They had Coors as a sponsor, and I think that is so sick. I wish we still did that. Yeah, Liverpool had Carlsberg during the real, you know, Steven Gerrard Golden yeah, Age. That's, that Carlsberg, Carlsberg logo, yeah. that font is I, so nice. Yeah, I think I got, I got to go with that dope. one too. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about that today. Right. I was thinking about before care about it was the Carling Cup. And have you guys ever had Carling? I don't believe I have. It's it, it's really bad, man. It's like. It's like England's Natty Light, you know. It's just beer that tastes disgusting. But you know, Carabao, I haven't had yet. It's it's a Thai energy drink. I might go to the international store if if you have another Carabao Cup special. Let me know. I'll go to the international store. I'll get some and I'll and I'll do a live taste test on air. All right, sounds good. Um, Before we move into the last listener question, I do want to do just one score prediction. that's happening this weekend. We have Tottenham and United. It's been promptly dubbed El Sacchio between Nuno and, and Ole. Um, uh, I don't know. This seems like this just seems like one of those games where like United have kind of like how Patrick Hart you were saying last week, where it's like they'll go four 0 down and then they'll scrap out this emotional draw to save Ole's skin one more time. Um, I feel like it's going to be kind of like the Arsenal game against Spurs a couple weeks ago where Arsenal just came flying out and just came shooting out of the gun and quickly were up 3-0. So I think probably I'm going to say 3-0 to United this weekend. Nick, what do you think? Um, I mean, personally, I, kind of, I want Spurs to win. Um, but I think it is textbook United. Like, Ole gets bailed out just one more time by the players. Like, I absolutely agree with you. I think they're going to come up and just somehow fire away like a semi-convincing 3-0 win and then hear all this talk. Oh, he's staying, he's staying, blah, blah, blah. It, it, I've, just, I've seen it before. I feel like we're going to see it again. 
Patrick, what do you think? Um, I, I think Spurs are going to win. I don't think Solskjaer is going to be back. I think Spurs are going to win 2-1 or something like that. A close game, maybe a bad game. I don't think I don't think it's El El Sacchio. That's a little bit <laughs> contrived, isn't it? That doesn't sound like Classico. It should be called like the uh, the the Sacker Bowl or something like that. But uh, <laughs> the Sackabout Cup. That's good. Yeah, that's better. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's going to be going to be. Uh, it's all this stuff is ginned up. Neither club is in a position where they really want to be sacking anybody right now. So I think 2-1 to Spurs. Uh, I'm going to say a brace for Lucas Morris. I shouted him out earlier and said that he's, you know, all these old scars, the ghost of Christmas future for Mora. <laughs> all right. Well, our last listener question ties into United. Uh, Rico Suave. Uh, this guy's asked us a question before, and his, his profile picture on Twitter is just like an avatar from FIFA 21, like the – like the manager that you can create. Um, not too sure who this guy is, but asks the hard questions. Uh, asks, is Pinaldo the answer for United? Seems to be hindering more than helping. Uh, he also added a guy like Cavani might be more useful to that team. And I don't know. Nick, <laughs> what do you have to, what do you think about that? One? God, I'm a sucker for Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, but I think, you know, maybe he doesn't deserve to start every game. He's bailed them out a few times because that's what he does. But, you know, I think Rico's got a decent point about Cavani offers something different than Ronaldo. And you don't – you want to switch it up every once in a while. Let him rest up, you know. But I know that's just a pain in the ass for Ole having to manage that because obviously he's Cristiano Ronaldo. We said, we said it before. He's got to play, but – that's just a tough scenario to be in at United. Yeah. Patrick, any thoughts? I think Pinaldo's honestly kind of harsh. Isn't I mean the goals he scored this year haven't been tap ins. Like Rico added that in his question or his tweeted question and scoring tap ins for United that's bailing them out. I don't I wouldn't really classify any of Yeah, I mean been I, I, I do want to clarify. Like against young boys. Yeah, I do want to clarify. I mean I, I agree. Like I don't think I think he scored some pretty quality goals for United this season. So I don't want to take away from his goal scoring abilities. Yeah. Patrick, any, any yeah, I'll take away from his goal scoring abilities. Sure. They were mostly tap-ins. Uh, there's a penalty, I think. And uh, he scored one nice goal against Newcastle. Uh, and he scored a header, I think, uh, against Atalanta. Yeah, the header against Atalanta was fine. That's nice. a header. What do you do with your head to the ball? You tap it. Okay. So, Technically, yeah, technically, but it, when you think of a tap-in, it's not... Here's all I'm saying. He's not the answer for United. Um, in the modern game, you need to there. be able to press. You need to be able to pressure teams when like, they're on the back foot and try to win the ball back in your opponent's half. Um, you can't really compete in, in this world of you know, hyper-competitive teams, which are pressing for their own advantage, when you only have 10 defenders every time... The other team is the ball. Um, everyone else has 11 defenders. And Ronaldo doesn't defend. I mean, he shouldn't. He's like 37, you know? That's too old to be running around trying to defend, especially when you're trying to extend your career for longer and score more goals in kind of like this 
egotistical, uh, incredible journey. I mean, and he has been a great player. He's been one of the best players ever. He's he's won more Champions Leagues than almost anyone else. Uh, he has won more Ballon d'Ors than almost anyone else. Won the Euros. He's brought his team, uh, you know, to uh, long runs in the World Cup. But it is so clearly not the fit for United right now. It didn't really make sense when they signed him. It would have made sense for Man City because you can imagine, like, Pep sort of having an agreement with him. Okay, we'll put you in for the games that we're going to win 5-0 anyways, and you'll get a bunch of goals. But, you know, in the games where I need to actually play against a good team and press, then you're going to be the guy we bring on after, you know, 20 or 30, you know, when there's 20 or 30 minutes left, we need a goal. Um, and that wor- that would have worked because they didn't have a they don't have a number nine they didn't replace Aguero so basically United have done what they did with Alexis Sanchez a few years ago and signed him so that City couldn't and it's completely screwed them over highest paid player on their team he's made he's un- completely unsettled Sancho uh, doesn't work together with Fernandez uh, sorry I was just thinking about how that guy pronounces it Bruno Fernandes. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, parabem e boa noite to all our Portuguese listeners. Um, and uh, he he doesn't even he doesn't really like he. If you put him on the field, then you have to pick another superstar that you weren't putting on the field and that you're making unhappy. I mean, look at Pogba on on Sunday. He came on at halftime and like immediately got himself sent off because he came on the field already, you know, pissed off and. Uh, he's, you know, probably not the most level-headed player at, at the best of times. So, it, no, it doesn't work at all. It was completely stupid, and they're never going to be able to get rid of him because they've given him all this money, and yeah. no one is going to give him more money when they've seen, oh, this doesn't work for an elite team. So, I mean, maybe if Xavi stays at Al-Sad, uh <laughs> but yeah, that's it. Oh, yes, that would be just the best way to end Ronaldo's career flying off to Qatar spending his sunset years with Chavi with Chavi and El Saad yeah alright well I think that'll do for today uh, Patrick thank you thank you again for coming on Obrigado. Nick pleasure as always you look like you're about to fall asleep so we'll make this quick as always I'm, <laughs> uh, I'm happy to be back alright we will probably be back next week